<laughs> Welcome back to um, the, the second chat I'm having with Jeff Coughlin from Scale Modeling now on uh, Paint and Page Podcast. Morning. We're chuckling. Morning. <laughs> We're chuckling a little because we 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 both realised chaps as we are. Um, we actually started almost the, the podcast before it started, if that makes an ounce of sense. Um, and what we were talking about was sharing knowledge, which is which will lead which lead on onto the, this podcast where we're talking about graphic design uh, and illustration and its use within model making. Um, but Jeff raised a really really good point, and it was about the sharing of knowledge. And I suppose that's one of the things that any any podcast is that you can you can either talk at the crowd talk to the crowd or talk with the crowd uh, and the aim here is to talk with the crowd um, now I'm not sure if you've had a chance to to have a look at scalemodelingnow.com do have a look because they've got a, well, Jeff has developed and built a remarkable bank of techniques so as to not a still Jeff Sunder but b make sure that it is coming from the horse's mouth and I don't get it wrong I'm going to be really sly here and say Jeff just talk talk to us about the uh, the techniques bank ever so quickly. Well, take as long as you want, please. Yeah, no, sure, sure. Well, that's that's at the core of scale modeling now. That's really what it's about. It's all about help with the how to, uh, how to. I mean, how do you do all these different things within uh, our hobby, which is immense. You know, everything from construction uh, to painting and then weathering and finishing, and those are the three main sections. And within those sections. In the magazine you just click which of those you're interested in and within it you'll find a straight a to z listing with literally hundreds of different techniques many of them have got multiple hd video demos just trying to show how we actually do that technique so that's that's what it is excellent stuff right then well well today um this has come off the back of uh, last week's discussion where we, we were talking about um instructions Mm. Um, and one that I really wanted to share um, with you was from Lindbergh, American model maker Lindbergh, and I think this, and it was for the tugboat. Now, if anyone can find the instructions for this particular model, they are worth looking at because I think you need some sort of degree in Egyptian hieroglyphics, um, possibly code breaking um, and at least a master's in some form of engineering to understand them. They are of their time. And sadly, I can't find a copy of them. Now, by and large, they're, they're pretty clear, but there were elements in that that actually gave me gray hair um, at the young age of 24 when I tried making the kit. Um, and this led me to a lifelong, um, what's what I'm looking for? Abstention from any Lindbergh kit. So if Anyone, any listener wants to prove me wrong on that, and, and A manages to find this set of instructions, will be have produced um, a lovely kit. And I'm sure it is a lovely kit. You know, you've been a bit more patience than I had at, like, say, 24, 25. Do let me know. Um, but Jeff and I, well, I actually, have pinged Jeff with a series of instructions. Um, and one of the first ones is the Schwimmwagen by Tamiya. And now this originally came out as a double-sided piece of paper. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm look, looking at it now. Jeff, <laughs> what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I mean, you see, I, it, it's, it's fascinating, this whole thing, really, because I suppose at one level you've got to define or make a decision about, so what's the purpose of the instruction sheet or the instruction book? 
I mean, ar arguably, that should be a simple question, you would think. And um, I, sh I mean, my, in my world, it, it's I, I like to keep things simple. It's surely the instruction book is about trying to help you um, in as painless a way as possible to put their product together, their kit together, so that you end up enjoying the experience and ending up with it correctly built um, with all the things where they're supposed to be and hopefully having enjoyed the experience. Um, and the, the simple reality, whether it's that particular instruction sheet you're looking at there or the Limburg one, heaven forbid, or, um, and, and it's interesting, I, I've, I was just talking to Ben before we kicked off today uh, at uh, looking at the um, a piece for the Techniques Bank and there's, there's a good piece going in there um, today about that. Uh, and I just recently picked up the um, Ditaleri, um 30 second scale GR4 Tornado, state of the art kit, beautiful kit by the look of it. There's one or two little things in it, but but detailed things, but that's neither here nor there. Now, you would think that this kit comes a lovely big box, beautifully molded, state of the art today, would have a, have a half sensible instruction sheet in it. And it's possibly one of the worst instruction sheets I think I've ever seen. I mean, because the whole point of it, I mean, you just look at it and within the first few sections, you build up the whole nose section, which is separate to the main fuselage. To bear in mind, it's 30 second scale, so it's quite a big model. So the idea that they would have you, have you build up the cockpit, put in the seats, build the radar assembly, add the canopy, add the in-flight refueling probe, and then attach it to the centre fuselage. I mean, I just can't conceive of a more ludicrous, dangerous way of going about and tra trashing a perfectly good kit. So, uh, you know, with respect to Italeri, and I'm sorry, but I, I just have no idea what, what they think the purpose of an instruction sheet is for that particular kit, just by way of example. Um, so the whole thing is, uh, you know, it's all very well with experience to, to almost sit here and laugh at some of those things, really. And I mean, they're not, I don't think they're funny because somebody's gone out and they've, they've bought, I've spent, I don't know, whatever it was, I can't remember how much I paid for the kit, but about, I don't know, 70 or 80 quid, maybe more. It might be actually near a ton, actually, to think about it. Right. Um, you would expect, you know, um, at least the assembly sequence, sequence to be logical in terms of com coming from a modeler's perspective. And the fact is that, I've just picked up a whole heap of these instruction sheets of, of, the, of some of the most recent projects that I've completed. And with one or two exceptions, I go through them and I think, OK, that's just not helpful. It isn't helpful to to build the thing in a, in a, in a logical way it, so that you don't damage the parts, you don't knock bits off, um, you can then paint easily, you can then uh, weather easily. And... And I just lament of it, really. I think it's a, it's a tragedy because it might that, 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 you know, someone bought you a nice model and you try to follow the sequence the instruction sheet. And again, whether it's that Schrimmagen or whether it's something else, um, but it's not actually very logical. You, you're going to get into trouble is the simple reality if you're new or less experienced. And if you get into trouble, you probably what do you do with it? Not finish it, stick it back in the box, throw it in the bin. But what you don't do is keep buying that manufacturer's products, that manufacturer's kits, increase their sales, increase your enjoyment, simply because not that the product was at fault, but because the simple instructions and the guide to take you through the process was um, was was lamentable or was lacking in so many basic ways. So I think you've then got. So I think the questions around I think the manufacturers really need to ask themselves here is what, why on earth don't we get people to build the product in the development stage, then build, come up with an instruction sheet or a sequence, 
that will um, really help the modeler to get the best enjoyment out of the product. And, I, you know, I, I feel like I'm on a bit of a rant, really. Um, I don't intend to be, but it, I just think, you know, scale modeling has been around a long time. A lot, certainly our plastic scale modeling. All the manufacturers have had loads of time to kind of sort it out. Um, so why on earth don't they simply um, have people building the model? Now, years ago, I do remember having a conversation with, with, with Marcus Nichols at Tamir Model Magazine International. And uh, forgive me, Marcus, if you, if you ever listen to this. Um, but I'm pretty sure I recall the conversation about Tamir and their production process. And it all came out of a conversation about, well, why is it actually Tamir kits are so beautifully engineered? Everyone, you know, have all, I think in our last podcast, we were talking about, uh, you know, you could always, I think the shake and bake thing, you know, good Tamir kit, you shake it uh, and it falls together. Well, that doesn't happen by accident. It happens because I'm pretty sure Marcus said that Tamir have got a whole bunch of guys who sit in a room at the end of the production process and just build the the um, the samples that, that are coming off the, the tooling. And if anything isn't 100 percent right, it goes back to the to be retooled and then it comes back through the, the their, their process. So you've got people there building and learning from and then adjusting and changing the actual product so that we only ever see as modelers a fantastically engineered product. Now, for sure, that must cost. But if you think about it, it wouldn't cost that much, would it, for all the manufacturers? I have one or two builders, not necessarily employed, but but directly or, or on site. Yeah, this could be done remotely, where they build stuff and they come up with suggestions for the build sequence, so that the designers, uh, the instruction designers, um, the yeah, uh, the instruction books, book, booklets, sheets, whatever it is, uh, designers produce something that then is informed by modelers who are actually going to have to build this thing. Um, so I think that's that's kind of my initial opening salvo, I suppose. And I apologise that that does sound like a bit of a rant, but surely, surely to heaven, that's not too big an ask. No, you, you know what, actually, no, and, and it's not, and it's not a rant at all. Um, and I think we, we, with every, every industry, um, there are good and there are bad. And like you say, as an end user, um, you, you've got to look at the user experience of any of any product. Um, and with modelling, part of the part of the fun is actually building. It's it's in the building. Um, I am surprised by by Tulare with, with with that tornado. While you were talking, I had a very quick look um, at the kit, and it is beautifully beautifully made. It's exceptionally clear. You know, this again echoes what we were talking about last week with the the refinement of casting processes of tooling you know a lot of the pe bits that that we you needed to set update kits that are 30 years old are no longer needed but to get full enjoyment of that you do need clear instructions um and again the, the whole tamir thing well that makes perfect sense because you introduce quality control at an early stage you introduce quality um and so therefore the kits that are coming off the line and the reason why they're popular is because they're well designed and well made um, oh. and, it, and again, it boils down to the user. Um, I'm when it comes to graphic design, it's something that I'm I'm very bad at. Um, you know, illustrating. You know, the, the two are very different. Um, the best way to look at it is that illustration is there for pleasure. Graphic design is there to inform. So, if the instructions aren't informing them, they're failing in their first brief. Um, and whilst some people dragon are 
guilty of this at times over complicating the visual process at least you can build the kit but if but if the stepping the, the steps and the the actual process of the build oh. um are at, at ends then it's then then again that's a design failing um and i'm surprised that that someone as, as big um and clearly have been, you know, developing a, a, a good range of kits over the past sort of 18 months, such as Artillery, have, have failed at this. Um, and, and, it's quite, and, and clearly it was, it, it's, as you say, again, this is all entirely avoidable. Um, it, is, it is avoidable. Um, and, uh, you know, because they produced, I mean, I don't know, I think it's something like a, I forget. No, I, I've just, in, in, um, in scale modeling now, I've done a video with, it and you could it's about a 15 minute video and have a really good look at the kit and, and the instruction the last five minutes of that um i spend on on the instruction book um where you could i'm just trying to show people where they, this, is, this is an issue and it's a bit of a problem um but if you're going to spend you know all the money and effort to create a, a you know what on the face of it looks like a, a lovely instruction a 60 page instruction booklet it has to help the builder to produce a, a decent model um <clears throat> And it doesn't, and I think that that's the the, the the sad fact. I think one interesting thing, Ben, um, is, uh, and I just want to illustrate how I say I don't think this is difficult because um, recently I built um, this, which is a, is a Henschel HS one two three from Gaspatch, um, so a German biplane um, from the early part of the the Second World War um, and the Spanish Civil War. And the little instruction booklet here, it's a little pamphlet. It's, I don't know, 23 odd pages. It's in, it's in full colour. It's simple. It's clear. It gives great uh, paint, RLM paint references. It shows exactly which parts to use, which parts not to use. You've got colour uh, illustrations showing exactly what the part would, would look like and should look like um, when it's assembled. Little bits of which clearly demonstrated. I built this model. Now there are a fairly small man, and this was one of the best quality models I've ever built. The instruction booklet is absolutely perfect. It's perfect in every way. If you follow this sequence, you will end up with a really nice little model of the HS one two three. So my thought is, if Gaspatch can do it, um, why on earth can't the big boys do it, um, or all of them? Um, Straight. <coughs> It's not, it can be done, but I suspect you've got modelers involved in Gaspatch who actually have built the models. And I do wonder uh, whether some of the others have, uh, and I use them to best effect. I would say so. Um, well, I mean, touching back on, on, on the, you know, um, on, on the modelers building the model. Uh, and this is an exceptionally good point. I mean, in, in the in the late eighties, early late eighties, Isolari used Francois Verlinden a, a great deal, um, and this oh. shows it. Yeah, it, it, so you know, I, I presume that he guided them because some of the some of the earlier kits, the the instructions were phenomenal. The kit was, you know, they had a low part count, um, and the stages never it never it never really went into double figures for a lot of the lot of the um, models. And then I think if you don't continue interacting with, I, I wouldn't say the, the personalities, but certainly the more, the more accessible master modelers, then you're on you're not hiding to nothing. And and the other thing is, if you come at it from an engineering point of view, which ultimately designing a model is, it's a big engineering process, which is 
needs people with a certain skill set that I certainly like, but they are exceptionally good at what they do. But but they, they can over, perhaps overcomplicate matters or assume that the, the person at the end of the process knows what they're doing. And so, therefore, the, the, graphic, is, the, the, the graphic design element reflects this. Um, and one of the things that you know, I think we're all familiar with, you know, is the KISS principle, keep it simple, stupid. And, and that should reflect in also the, the instructions. And... Mm-hmm. And I think if you if you look at the just going back to the the Schwingmorgen kit from Tam, Tamiya, I mean I'm trying to find the oh here we go is there a year on here and I think it's something like 1970 uh, 71 I think um, mm. just having looked doesn't say but it, you know it, it's a simple six six stage kit broken down into easy steps now I'm not, we're not going to talk about the the, the kit it's a very simple kit anyway the, the shrimp isn't exactly a, a complex shape and it's very easy to build but they've made it easy well the one thing that samia did which they would they, they seem to do an awful lot with their late seven mid to late 70s kits was supplement the the visual cue with a written guide you know um mm-hmm. And, and this runs down the side, you know, the, the one third of the side and then the other two thirds of, of the um, the page are given over to visuals. Mm. Um, and like, I mean, if you look at some of the, and you, you were describing the one, and I have seen them, um, winged at wings, they're, 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 they're instructions I was blown away by. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I've just dug out the uh, the Albatross D5 instruction sheet from Wingmap Wings because um, it's interesting. But over the last few years, uh, when we've been doing the model shows and we've been taking SMN to, to those, and of course you meet subscribers, you meet loads of guys who are interested in, in modelling. And um, I, got, I was beginning to get quite a few requests from people saying, uh, you know, I've got one of their kits, but I didn't start it. You know, it's quite... <laughs> But if I cock it up, then, you know, it's going to be, you know, I'm going to blow it, basically. And, and I have a huge amount of sympathy with that. And so what we did or what I did last year was I thought, well, OK, let's take um, the Albatross D5, which is um, actually quite a straightforward aeroplane. You know, it's not a complicated biplane. It's a biplane, um, um, but it's not that complicated. It doesn't even have huge amounts of rigging. It has some, but not huge amounts. Um, so it's a good starter kit, you know, if, if anyone's interested in in 30 second scale and biplanes and World War One and all of that, and you're thinking of, of one, I know, and I know the issues with winging up wings um, and questionable about whether they're going to continue in business or whether we'll see them again and all the rest of it. But aside of that for a moment, there's still plenty of these kits knocking about. And you might well have one in your stash, as I said, and you just know what you hadn't wanted to start it. Well, the advice is very simple. Wingnut Wings produce instruction books that I think are quite simply the best instruction uh, instructions ever to have been produced and ever to have been put in a kit box, bar none. Because everything in there is is just what you need. Nice and simple, full, cl- full um, colour. Starts off with a great breakdown of all the different colour codes that you're going to find, which parts to use, which parts not to use. But the, the, the real secret here, uh, Ben, is that what they do is they give you a sequence that if you follow it to the letter, you will end up, assuming you've got the skills, the modelling skills to go with it, a great model at the end of it. It works an absolute treat. I wouldn't depart a, a, at all from any of it. 
and I've built about five of these things now over the years, uh, diff different different wing nut wings kits, and wow. everyone's been the same. You know, you start start with stage one, you go through to whatever the final stage is, and and I just think that they are spot on. So they must have, and again have had um, guys who have built them and are informing the the guys who are creating the the the, the drawings and and the the profiles, and then of course all the the, uh, the illustrations that are included in here. And you've got this great joined up effect there so that we get a fabulous experience out of it. Now, the important to just caveat is, of course, you do need modeling skills. You know, you know, a wing at wings kit, you know, you, not in the current climate because they're not currently selling them to, to my knowledge. So they're going for stupid money on auction sites and all the rest of it. But just assume that, you know, you bought one first off, you know, they weren't cheap. You don't want to mess it up. And the beauty here is that you follow their instructions and they work. I mean, so we've got a gas patch, you've got wing nut wings, you've got Zukimura. We haven't talked about them yet either. And oh, no. my, my goodness me, I mean, another <laughs> actor completely, absolutely on the ball. You know, any of their recent releases, uh, and, and, I've, and I've done a few, the, the F4E, um, F4EJ Kai that I've just done, and HS129 before that, and then there's others. Again, you follow their sequence and it's spot on, absolutely spot on. It's exactly going to give you a great, enjoy, enjoyable build experience. What more do we want? You know, I think it's it's. So I think the reason I mention all of this stuff is that there's some really good examples out there. You know, manufacturers ought not to be shy in looking at the best and thinking, OK, how can we produce that in a cost effective way that's going to really help our, our builders, help our, our, our market? Um, so it's there for the taking if people want to look at what others are doing. So I think it's um, it's a shame that we've still got plenty of them who are not really quite getting it. But we've got some <coughs> God, no. I'm bright on one today, haven't I? I'm not normally like that. <laughs> I'm normally <laughs> thinking, God, he's not normally like that when I chat to him at the, at the shows. But <laughs> maybe, maybe it's a small hobby horse of mine. I don't know. But... I've, I've, <laughs> in my bonnet about you know something that's so avoidable and so easy to, to to get right really um and that would increase your sales because i'm sure you know these the guys must sell great great numbers of their kits when they produce such good quality you know not think they must do and, and again i, I think and, and while some people may think you're ranting actually you know what what this is it, it's passion it's passion about yeah about what, what what we do for a living um, is passion about ensuring that everyone gets gets enjoyment from, mm. from what we get enjoyment from, and I think that's vital because you you know when 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 we build kits, I'm I've been really lucky. Um, you know when I when I build showcase kits, I default to Mia every time. Um, I, I've built a couple of others. Um, I've got some stash in the stash. Some kits, um, you know. Their exception well produced um, and presented. You know the 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 more recent Revel and Airfix instruction manuals. You know they this, they they've had this complete change. It's not a one eighty. It's nothing is you know they've just completely changed the way they 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 present kits and it is phenomenal. Um, the the clarity. Um, hats off to them. They've they've worked very hard and they've invested. Yeah, um, yeah. And it, and it's nice to be able to say that you know because sometimes. 
like you say, they have you have these wonderful kits with poor instructions. And, and conversely, if you have a mediocre kit with good instructions, you can still make a great kit because then it, it's the plastic providing the challenge and, and the pleasure as opposed to trying to interpret poor design. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that that's right. I mean, a, a recent example that I built was I built I built loads of Airfix kits anyway. I just always do and always have done. And it's interesting, as you say, to notice they made a quantum shift. I don't know some years back, and not only in terms of production quality and values and sorting out the decal issues, so they're now some of the best decals they produced, I, I think, uh, around uh, in their kits. Mm. But the instruction sheets, as you say, I mean, the, the Hawk Hunter F6 was one that I did recently, and the full build of that is in S, is an SMN. Um, and you look at it and you think, yeah, you know, it, it's logical. You know, it really is logical. It works. It's straightforward. Uh, follow it, and you really aren't going to go far wrong. And and it's not overcomplicated because it comes back to your point about keeping things nice and simple because you've got really a whole series of, of pictures. There's hardly any words in it at all. It's all little – it's all just little uh, – exploded diagrams sequential diagrams i like the idea that they've included the, the little red areas that just show the parts of the areas that, that you've just been working on fitted mm. in because that's also a nice uh, sort of simple way of uh, making it easier for us to build and if things are easier we have more fun enjoy it and surely we go and buy more of them exactly and it's interesting i mean I, i've just just brought up um a very old well it's not very old that's an awful term to use but i suppose when i was realized it was produced sort of the early 80s um we're gonna we're gonna have to go there i'm afraid during sort of the years where airfix was wandering in the desert so to speak and i've just brought up the airco dh4 uh instructions um in in terms of illustrative uh prowess they're beautifully done they're wonderful there you know what what that's what in terms of instructions way too many wavy lines um you know not sure what they're telling us and i mean maybe that's just me being a, a finickety beggar i don't know but they are of their time and then when you can you know compare this to what tamir were doing at the same you know before then there's there's no messing about there's it's, it's clear, it's concise, and it, there's no there's no room for misinterpretation um, or yeah. error. Um, and that surely is 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 uh, yeah, uh, I suppose the clues in the title instructions. We're instructing you in how to build this product. So uh, you know it, it's not unreasonable to expect that you know they're giving you a strong steer as to how you should go about doing it. I mean that surely that's the that's the kind of point of any instruction manual or one of them. And of course that just doesn't work, and it is sensible and isn't practical you are going to get a bad experience if you get a bad experience i mean how can it do anything other than reflect badly on your um potential to go and buy another of their products i've had really? people you know I, you must do, do as i do you know you talk to models all the time and, and you know i hear people regularly saying i'll never buy another you know one of theirs again i'll never do this i'll never do it now whether they do or not it's neither here but they ain't going to be buying many even if they do have the odd little um, um, sort of hiccup um, from their perspective and actually do do go and buy an, an, another uh, product from that manufacturer. And I just think that's such a waste and such a lost opportunity for everybody. Well, you're right, it is, and, and, it, and it is wholly avoidable. It's, it's a situation that shouldn't really arise. Um, and, and this sort of almost sort of nicely 
dovetails in, in into the next bit of groove, which is which is decaling. Um, uh, and and you raised, you know, you you spoke about airfix. Well, I mean, yeah, you're right. Airfix decals compared to uh, as recently as uh, five ten years ago, there's been a quantum leap. Um, a lot, of, and and it's little things. You know, they went through a stage where the decals were exceptionally delicate and they would break quite rapidly. Um, or the glue. I don't know what what they were using to adhere them to. The other thing was the register. I, mean, I always keep an eye out for yellows and blacks. You know, if, if somebody uses pure black on a decal, I always think that's a bit, bit iffy. They should be going for 80% grey. But that's the illustrator in me. I, I think that, you know, this goes back to, to the whole discussion of, of scale black. Um, and scale black shouldn't be black. It should be very, 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 very dark grey. We're now getting into Father Ted territory here about socks, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, yes, they, they they don't wear black socks. They're very, very, very dark grey. And this is how decals should be. Um, mm. Like I say, again, I, I I tend to look at the yellows, whether it is a yellow, whether it's a pale yellow, whether it's a an orange yellow or a yellow yellow. Um, and and re revisiting the um, the BF one hundred and nine uh, because. By virtue, they they include a lot of yellow on on the paintwork to prevent them being shot down by overzealous gunners. Um, sometimes I get it right, and sometimes I get it wrong. And Airfix have recently been consistent in getting it right. I think sometimes the Japanese manufacturers do tend to put a little bit too much orange in the yellow. Um, but then you have people like Echelon, um, sorry, not Echelon, um, Pedding House, Decals, who, who who seem to come across and and, and rectify these things. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, there's also yeah, exactly. I think for, for being predominantly an aircraft myself, I mean, I, I just noticed you say, I mean, ethics shift, and um, rather than just take the decal sheet, bin it, go and have to buy an aftermarket set. I mean, for the last few years, I mean, they really are out of the top drawer. They're, they're beautifully produced. I don't. Know, I'm not sure who produces them. I'm not that interested, really. Well, I mean, in what comes in the box, mm. what comes in the box, uh, whether it's in cartridge. The other big manufacturers, the decal manufacturers, I've no idea, but they are really excellent. And I have to say, credit to Revel as well. That they were exactly the same. You know, they were in the same boat. I remember endlessly building their kits and getting so frustrated when it got to the decal stage. That oh, what? You know, th these are just awful. Um, yeah, they didn't adhere properly. You know, they, they didn't soften. They didn't you know respond well to the sets. Rest of it but of course now they theirs are equally as good uh, as um, as fx they're really good decals um so it's exciting you know exciting that you know that we're getting these improvements um so they'd all do it with their instruction the frustration and the passion of instruction but it is and and, it, and it's an area which we overlook um and, and i think some and then again, you look at it from the manufacturer's point of view. Sometimes they think, well, if it ain't broke, why fix it? Um, but then the times move on. And, and, if, and I think if Ravel and Airfix um, had taken that approach, they would have come unstuck very rapidly. Because some of the more recent builds, whilst they are exceptionally good, there are elements of complexity within them. Um, and, and, and you need to be able to get that, that complexity across. Um, and you can't do it with something that looks like it's been scribbled on the back of a an empty, you know, cereal box. Um, oh. yeah. and, and I and I think they were geared long, really. I mean, going back, you know, you look at Dragon Kits and you know the late nineties, early early noughties, 
whilst sometimes the kits are ambiguous a little, on review, they were sort of almost quantum leap ahead of the offerings by a large majority of manufacturers. And, and what we're seeing now with Airfix, um, Revell, is, is a continuation of this refinement. Um, and like I say, little visual cues are exceptionally important, you know, showing showing the bits you've already um, made in red, in that sort of pale reddish colour. Um, that's brilliant. Rather than the hatch, rather than the hatch you know, they're designed for modellers, not for engineers. Good, because they should be, you know, that's the way we're consumers, aren't we? So, yeah, exactly. We, we, you know, it doesn't matter what level of experience you've got, you know, I, you know, I, I pay a huge amount of attention to the instructions, and boy, boy, should you? It's interesting. I was just watching, um, no, I wasn't watching, well, um, a build review by, um, Jeff Brown the, of Revel's um, Golf GTI kit. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just finished that this week in the in the magazine, or finishing it this week in the magazine. And I, I, at least two or three occasions, you know, he was he was really complimentary of Revel and, and how they had made it clear in the instruction sequence. You know, do, do this before this part because later on, you know, you're going to come into problems if you don't. And um, he was he makes a point of saying I was really pleased that I followed the instructions because they helped me when I was closing the chassis over the um, subframe or whatever you call that. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, it just wouldn't have worked at all if you had done the sequence. So really good examples there, I think, you know, where um, if when they get it right, it can be really good, but that you just need that consistency, I think. You do. Um, and and, I, and I, it would be nice to see all, all major manufacturers looking at what everyone else is doing and where it's going right, and then reviewing the process. And yes, it's going to cost them money, but they kind of, you know, you've got to invest um, money to get money. Um, and I think if you take a half-hearted approach towards instructions, especially like you say, um, then you you ruin the enjoyment of the build. Um, and it's all well and good assuming that somebody knows where something goes. But if they're building a kit for the first time or they're unfamiliar with the subject, you need to, you know, to an extent, hold their hand and help them through it. Mm. And, that, and, that, and especially with, with something as complex as World War One aircraft. Um, visually, they're complex um, because you have the two wings. You, your mind works a different way. And, and so if people such as gas parts uh, and wing nut wings uh, and others present, it in, present the kit in, in, in an easy to understand and approach manner, you can't go far wrong. Um, I mean, is, yeah. it, is it, you know? Well, yeah, exactly. And like you mentioned gas patch, and that there are gas patch. Apologies. That's okay. That LHS one two three B one, and you know, it's 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 a simple color um, pamphlet, really, and it's just beautifully produced. It's not. It can't have cost that much, really, in the great scheme of things. But it's so helpful. Uh, I, it was one of the most, certainly one of the top three most enjoyable builds I've ever, ever undertaken in, in kit form. Yeah, it's not an expensive kit, but the whole package is beautiful. And, uh, you know, credit where it's due, because for me, that, that's the sort of uh, benchmark that, that the others could pick up on that wouldn't cost, wouldn't break the bank. Um, yet they'd be producing something tremendous to, to go with the kit that will help you build it. Yeah, and you're right. And, and actually, looking at the instructions um, now, uh, and I recommend listener if you get the chance, go to gaspatchmodels.com um, and look up the HS one two three. 
you know, they, they these are almost these are sort of almost screenshots from um, a CAD, um, mm. a, a CAD book. They're, they're beautifully done, um, exceptionally clear. And what, what the one thing that's screaming out at me at the moment is the uh, the, um, the 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 dials in the cockpit. Yeah, and what is normally sort of visually bamboozling is actually quite straightforward to look at. And you think, ooh. Absolutely. I'm, I mean, just in case any of you, you listeners are, I do exactly as Ben says. Just check, just, just have a look at the decal sheet, which you can do uh, a deck sheet, the instruction sheet, which you can do off their their website, can't you? I think. Yeah. Uh, and on page four, you've just got the uh, completed sort of front bulkhead with the instrument panel attached to the left fuselage half, and it's just so clear uh, with all the different colours on it. Um, it's just easy, 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 easy. You know if you've got it right or not, and you know what you you're looking to aim to produce. That's the beauty of it. Absolutely. No, no guesswork. Yeah. Yeah, and and again with Wingnut Wings, if people want to have a look at wingnutwings.com, um, again you you get an idea of, of the clarity of the instructions. And the one thing that's actually sticking out uh, to me with these, uh, aside from sort of the the illustrative quality. Um, on the color guides you can tell this has been written by somebody who's worked in the film industry um because they are apologies for that. that's adobe telling me that they're going live i don't know what they're talking about probably paying me more money i don't know um but, <laughs> but yeah but i'm looking at the engine block in particular of uh the albatross let me just double check yeah the albatross dva yeah um and that's you know, the shows the build sequence, which is absolutely phenomenal. Mm. Um, and, and having 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 seen these kits, like you know, very you've you kindly shown me in the past, this is film quality instruction because you're designing it for somebody who, maybe an intern, maybe uh, a best boy or a grip with spare ten minutes to build something, um, because model makers don't tend to be a wash on a film set. And if you're doing lots of the same thing, uh, I imagine it's all hands on deck. And, and this is almost that sort of level of instruction. And it's done sympathetically. It's not done, there's, there's no visual condescension. No, you must do this, that, and the other. Which, looking back at the Tamir instructions of the sort of late 70s, had a hint of. Mm. But they were still helpful. Um, and then they were lacking that, that overt tone. Mm. Um, so you know, it, it, they made it accessible to all, which is which is again quite interesting and, and almost ahead of their time. That's right, and and just just quickly popping back to to to, to stay with that uh, you know, um, instruction book that you were talking about uh, and section three where they show the engine build sequence. Um, you get nice clear um, arrows showing you this is exactly how the engine will build up. But the beauty, the kind of icing on the cake, is where they've included um, two pictures of the real engine. Um, so you've got the reference as well as the diagrammatic illustrations. Uh, and the beauty there is, is that, of course, with the pictures of the real engine, uh, the Damon Benz D3 engine, you've got a few extra little details that, you know, are so fine you wouldn't produce them or unlikely to find them produced in, in the kit. But you can add if you want. So yeah. uh, it, it just ticks every box, doesn't it? It does. And, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it's interesting to sort of talk about detail. Um, that and it's nice you know to have that caveat if you want i think people tend to look at um kits nowadays um 
I mean, I know we talked about PE last week very briefly, but the, the urge to put something on there that's there in real life may not actually be seen uh, at scale. Um, um, and, and a great example is wiring to or, or the, the fuel piping to an engine. You know, um, mm. you just have to look at some of the sort of one twelfth motorcycles. If you look at the fuel lines on there, they're using 0.5 mil wiring or that that very awkward hosing that you can't get onto the the the, the, the pin um, to to show you a, a fuel line that's probably only five mil across. Um, mm. and, and, but it, and again, this the level of detail already included in the kit. You, you don't need to add to things like that, really. Um, just sensitive uh, painting mm. really brings out the detail. It does, and, and that's um, that's probably another podcast, isn't it? I'm about to say, yeah, the moment I said that, I thought, let's talk about finishing next time. <laughs> well, I mean, goodness me, I mean, do you or don't you detail out the box or not, and all that that, that sort of business. I mean, that that is a, that's another whole... Um, um, part of the decision-making process, and uh, yeah, no, I, I, I do think that's that's probably just stepped outside probably the scope of this. Then, um, no, it, it, but... it's another whole can of worms, um, area. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, the one, the one thing I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull your brains on that one. The next one, I think, yeah, that, that's the next podcast detailing. Um, definitely rigging. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. yeah that's a, that's a dark art. <laughs> it, 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 I suppose it is. You can't get away from it in modelling terms. It is is a bit of a dark art, and there, I think what's interesting there are, oh, I don't know, probably three or four mainstream ways you could go about doing it. We tried to cover some of those, um, or probably all of them in one way or other. In um, no, not them all, but but some of the main ones in the techniques bank, and definitely in the biplane builds. Check out Dave Cowards in particular if you are interested in rigging and so on, because he's done some really great stuff in his builds about how you do that. Also, check out that in-depth build I did on the, the Albatross Wingnut Wings Albatross D5, the Manfred von Richthofen one, um, because I spent quite a lot of time in there just showing you know a way of doing it as well. So the you know, there's lots of help with that. It's a definite, um, you need to kind of look at it and see it. But equally, there are all sorts of things that we might chat about to do with that that might be useful. Yeah, no, I, th I think that's definitely worthy of another chat. Um, uh, that yeah. help guys out there, which is what it's all about, you know? Yeah. You know, this is all about trying to, trying to help and give you a bit of a steer or... Uh, Absolutely. Really. I, I now I, I I think I mentioned last week we might talk about box art. Um, again, I think that's worthy of again a completely different um, discussion. Um, yeah. The good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, and that, that's you know that that works hand in hand with with the appeal of a model. Um, and I, I only mention it again because I, I've recently seen. Um, a cover by a Czech manufacturer whose name I've completely forgotten. Let me just just bear with me two moments. Um, but it shows a BF109 looking very sorry for itself. Um, let me see who's the manufacturer. The box art is really well worth looking on. You know, of course I can't find it. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, no, no, can't find it. But it, it's a rebox. Um, 
of, of the Hazard 132nd Hazard Hour kit with all sorts of bits and pieces in it. Um, Sounds like an Edward product from your description. Because they, I, they... I don't, well, I would uh, normally I would say Edward, but it's not. Hey, no, 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 no. Hang on a minute, HWK. Let's have a look. Oh, oh yeah, yes. We've got a build of that running in the magazine, HGW, isn't it? Hey, that's it, HG. I was trying to... Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Mick, 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 Mick is doing that um, in the magazine as we speak. Um, he's just working on part two. Part one is in there as we speak. Um, so they that's a classic, isn't it, where they've taken another manufacturer's product yeah. uh, and they've added to it their, their own HGW um, parts. I think there's... Um, like belt seat harness and all the rest of it i think there's some photo etch in there as well um so i'm not sure whether i'm not sure if there's even a tie up with eduardo whether that's completely spurious so i don't want to give you a bum steer on that but certainly um interesting interesting product but very interesting and different box art to, to other manufacturers isn't it it is um and, and and if you're wondering what we're talking about um it's showing a very sorry looking uh 109 Crashed, complete with uh, bed propellers and the uh, the canopy, literally punched out. Uh, and it looks like a soldier from the eight. Well, he is a soldier from the eight army trying to see see where the uh, the pilot's gone. Um, normally, model kits are shown. You know, the models, especially aircraft, are shown in flight. So it's it's interesting to see that they've decided to show one crashed. Um, and actually, it's a bit of humour. <laughs> Um, it's an interesting take, it really is. So uh, it might be a take on the um, the airframe that's at Imperial War Museum, Duxford. That's oh, yes. uh, I don't know whether they've used that as a, as a kind of a basis for for that that representation, but that's a that's a classic uh, wartime image as well, isn't it? The picture of that one that crashed and then was recovered is quite quite common. Yeah, yeah, and it's the the cyber hobby kit they've decided to change and i know edward do uh do a lot of stuff for hasagawa and, and incorporate them um, yeah. and, and then add brass in and all sorts of of goodies um right well i think mm. I, I think i think we've this one's running its course so so next time should we have a chat about detailing jeff uh, yeah sure sounds good to me yeah i think detailing and, and possibly weathering but we're probably not. I'm not certainly not the best place to talk to about that. This is more. Um, well, that's probably a different one, isn't it? That's yeah. Um, you know, yeah that you. Uh, that's quite an interesting one, actually, because there's obviously so many different views on that subject. But I think what I mean, I personally, I, I could at least give my two pennies worth about my uh, approach to weathering. Um, how, how do I decide what uh, and what level to go to, whether to do it at all, and if so, how far to go? Um, different types of subject, uh, and if that's useful, people might find that useful. I'd be happy to chat about that. Yeah, that sounds that sounds good to me. So, okay, so that's that's two more episodes of, of Jeff and I talking. Oh, what am I doing? I'm just rubbing myself in all this stuff. It's no, no, you're just roping. You're just landing yourself. It's a bit like me. Can you do this? Yeah, yeah of course I can. Then you know, when you, you realise you've got all these balls in the air, think something's going to drop. Thankfully, I'm, I'm not there yet, but I, I've been good this year, and I've said no more to certain things. Um, yes, balls in the air. Keep them in the air. That's what we say. Keep, yeah, keep them in the air. Yeah. <laughs> right. Jeff, thank you ever so much indeed for your time. Lovely to speak with you again. Um, and and, it, and it's, hopefully, listener, you, you've, you've got something out of this. Um, 
and a bit of food for thought. Right. So until next time, this is uh, Paint and Page podcast signing off uh, with Jeff Coughlin from Scale Modeling Now. Jeff, once again, many thanks for your time today, my friend. My pleasure, Ben. Till next right. time. Till next time. Cheerio, so. Bye now. Bye. Bye.